Rev said, um, he said, before they began, he said, would you just take a little bit of time and speak to God? And when I was, when I was trying to converse, stay in communication during that period of time, all I could say is, Lord, you are. And I was trying to get to, like, exactly what I wanted to say. I don't like to just be like, hallelujah, or praise you. I want to I be specific in my communication with God and tell him who he is. And I just kept saying, Lord, you are. And I was looking for that second or third word of who he is because I wanted it to be special. So I said it like four times, Lord, you are. Lord, you are. Lord, you are. And he said, I am. Anything and everything that you are thinking that I am, trust me, I am. Me and my wife were talking about relationship last night. How important relationships are. And how we take just the word relationship for granted. How important is your relationship with God? So we're in this series called Pardon the Interruption. Last week, um, we talked about Adam and Eve being so ashamed that they hid themselves from God. We talked about how God wanted to be around us, even as sinners, that like soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God was right on the spot. Good, good father. There in the midst of our sins, how the shame of our sin. It, it, it caused Adam and Eve to, to cover themselves from one another and how that covering, that, that, that hiding from even one another in the midst of our sins and how that hiding the confession from man normally leads us to not repent with God. We talked about our relationship with each other and how our relationship with each other is a mirror to our relationship with God. I was at my, my boy Jeremy's house this week, and he said something, and I, I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down in my own way, but what I was asking myself when I was listening to him was, how do we accomplish remorse without shame? I believe that Adam and Eve were so remorseful for what they did. I believe that each and every time that one of us sins, we're remorseful. But when that remorse leads to shame, that's when it becomes an issue. And I've been struggling with that since our conversation at night. Like, how do we accomplish remorse without shame? The one thing from last week that carries on to this week is the need of repentance. And we are on the topic of forgiveness. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Let me say this first before we get started. I don't think I look at Adam and Eve like everybody else does. I think uh, I had a natural thought process of how Adam and Eve were after the fall. And just in my studies these last three or four weeks, I just look at them differently. But I'll share that with you today. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also 
brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? In another version, it says, why has your countenance fallen? Why has your spirit fallen? Why has your posture failed? He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Another version said, sin is resting at your door. Another version says, sin is lying at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were on the field, in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And then Cain said the most disrespectful thing that any person in the history of man has ever said. He said to God, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Praise God for the reading of his word. So where we left off last week, with the little bit of scripture that we left out, was Adam and Eve getting kicked out. And essentially what happens is, God has a conversation with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and he says, now they know they're just like us. They have the knowledge of good and evil. Lest they take from the tree of life and live forever, we're going to have to make some things shake. We're going to have to do something because we can't have them living forever. And I asked myself, what was the issue with Adam and Eve living forever? Why couldn't God just let them continue on as is? And this is where I think my, my, my thought process has changed is who Adam and Eve were after the fall. One, God never in Scripture is in the presence of Adam and Eve again after he kicks them out of the garden. You don't see no conversations. You don't see no back and forth. I think their relationship changed a little bit. And I think it changed because of our first point which is responsibility. I believe that God believed that he just couldn't trust Adam and Eve anymore. Could you imagine just not being trustworthy to God? I believe everyone in here yearns for forgiveness. We yearn for a relationship. We want to be in relationship with one another. Relationship is so important that God put every single thing that he could in front of Adam to make sure that Adam had relationship. Now, this isn't good enough. No, this isn't good enough. No, this isn't good enough. Now, this isn't good enough. Now, this isn't good enough. Matter of fact, just go ahead and go to sleep. I'm going to actually take a bone from you so that I can make sure you have a helpmate, so I can make sure you have someone that you can be in relationship with. This is how important it was for God to make sure that we were in relationship. However, God gave Adam and Eve responsibility. 
They showed within that responsibility that they could not be held responsible, that they would not be accountable, that they could not take ownership. So much so that God said, look, I can't trust them no more. If I leave them in the garden, trust me, they're going to eat from this tree of life. They're no longer in the relationship with me that they used to be. And if I let them eat from the tree of life, they will go on being sinners forever. So I have to literally take them from this place and put them in another place so that they won't live as sinners forever. He wanted a healthy relationship with Adam and Eve, and he knew that they were not responsible. Responsibility. Verse one says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Responsibility refers to the obligation to perform something, a task that has been given, right? And accountability implies answerability to the outcome of what you have just been told that you're responsible for. So God said, I'm leaving you responsible of the garden. The first thing that they showed is that they could not be responsible within the garden. And then when he came to hold them accountable, Accountability is a measurable outcome. When he came to hold them accountable for that which he said that they were responsible for, they start blaming one another. They start blaming the serpent. They showed that they weren't accountable. Anybody here know you reap what you sow? If you, if you sow an apple seed, the expectation is you're going to get back an apple. If you sow an apple seed, you shouldn't be looking for an orange. Adam and Eve, they reaped what they sowed, and they had to be kicked out of the garden. She named her son Cain. The first son that she named, she named Cain. Cain means, the name Cain means ownership. God, I did not show you that I was responsible. I showed you that I could not be accountable. I showed you that I have no ownership and you kicked me out of the garden. You literally had to take me from a place and put me in another place. And because of my sin there, I am now reaping a child. Now I have birthed out from that which I have sinned. And now the first thing that I birthed because of my sin, I'm going to let you know by the name of this thing that I'm taking ownership. She named her kid ownership. God, I'm promising with my words that I'm taking ownership. I'm taking responsibility. I'm letting you know now that I'm accountable for that which I did in the garden. I know you talked to the serpent first, and then you, you gave us time to repent, and we didn't. We showed you there that we were not to be trusted, but now that we're here, now that you've given us punishment, now that we've reaped what we've sown, I'm letting you know now that I'm going to be accountable. I take ownership for. Words don't mean nothing, though. If we were to rate Adam and Eve as a parent on a real, the first thing that they said they were taking ownership for killed the second thing that they, they bore. How many times have you told God, God, I'm going to take ownership for this. So then God gives you another thing. 
But because you don't actually take ownership for the first thing that God tells you, the first thing that God gives you, actually, you end up killing the second thing that God gave you because you're not actually doing what you told God you were going to do in the first place. Because words don't mean nothing. Responsibility is not something. Accountability is not something that can be given and taken and shown through words. Once again, accountability is a measured outcome. How many times have you gave God word service? Only to watch something be murdered that God had given you because you weren't doing what you were supposed to do. Anybody remember that test? Anybody remember that test, that test that you got when the teacher gave it to you? And when they gave it to you, they gave it to you upside down so you couldn't see the grade and the person next to you couldn't see the grade and the person in front of you and behind you couldn't see the grade because you missed so many questions. You done missed so many questions on this test that the teacher don't want nobody to see it but you, so they put it. So you, you know when you see, you seeing everybody else with the sticker, they scratching it and they sniffing it. You can see the 100, you can see the, the, the neon green or the hot pink 100 on their test. Your test was flipped upside down. You don't even know if it's your test. You got to turn it over to see if your name is on it. And you know it's bad, so you look at it like this. Oh, my mom going to kill me. But we've also, we've also, we've also, we've also had that experience when that teacher comes to you and she puts that paper on it on your desk. And when you see it, it says, well done. What that well done means is it's, it's I gave you the responsibility of something specific and I knew that you were the type of student that would go home and study. You were the type of student that would get in your word. I mean, your, your, your science book, your social studies book, and you would take the time to actually be prepared for the test that God is giving you so that at the end of days, he could say, well done. I've given you responsibility. I've shown forth the word to let you know that you need to be accountable. And now I'm telling you, well done. In that scripture, it says, well done over the small things that I've given you. But now that you've shown me that you can do great things with the small things, I'm going to give you something extra. God wants us to be responsible with what he has given Which brings me to my second point. My second point is called Waffle House. My wife hates Waffle House. My wife hates waffle is there any waffle house eaters in here don't be ashamed tell the truth shame the devil it's nothing like some scrambled eggs and cheese mr hunger it's nothing like when the hash browns come 25 minutes after you got your bacon after waffle house i went to waffle house friday I went without my wife. And me and my wife have talked about Waffle House so much that this was one of the first times that I actually paid attention to the service at Waffle House. Not lying to you at all. Service is horrible. 
the dude, his pants was like down to here. Then he had shorts on. Then you can see his drawers. And he came up to our table. He was like, what's good, fam? On everything I love. This is how he took my order. He was like, what you want, fam? He sat down in the booth with me. He sat down in the booth with me and was like, what you want, fam? And he sat there and he took my order. I said, I want some orange juice with my food. He was like, all right, fam. He walked over. He said, hey, fam, I ain't about to do these dishes. Can I just give you a to-go cup? I am not lying to you. This was my experience on Friday at Waffle House. I said, yeah, just get. He, he, he actually started to influence me. I said, yeah, just give me a to-go cup, fam. They brought me my bacon. When I got done with my bacon, they brought me my hash browns and my eggs, my toast, my scrambled eggs with cheese. And then when I got done with that, they brought me my waffle. They did not bring me all my food at once because that's not how they do it at Waffle House. So then it dawned on me. This is the reason why my wife don't like Waffle House. If I go to Waffle House and I get a to-go order and I bring it to my wife, she will eat it. It's not the offering that she has an issue with. It's the person that's bringing forth the offering. Why did God not like Cain's offering? Why did he take Abel's offering? It wasn't the scrambled eggs and cheese that God did not like. It was not the hash browns that God did not like. It wasn't the bacon that God did not like. God did not like Cain. He did not want the person that was bringing forth the offering, not the offering itself. Let's go back to the scriptures, because I believe y'all think that I'm lying to y'all. Because like what your face is showing me right now, I also thought that it was something wrong with Cain's offering. I wasn't prepared to go back. He says it like this. In verse... Three, two, three. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Not unto his offering, but because of you, this is why I respect what you bring to me. Then he says unto Cain in verse five, but unto Cain. And unto his offering, he had not respect. Then he tells him, why are you angry? Why has your continence fallen? I'm going to tell you right now, me and my man, Julian, me and my man, Batty, we ain't had too many bad altercations. We haven't had too many bad conversations. And if I tell them right now that I'm not accepting something that you're doing, my thought process is they're going to fix what I tell them that I'm not accepting. They're not going to go out and he kill him. So why is it that Cain killed Abel? Take it with me. Take it with me for a second. This wasn't the first time God had to tell him no. This wasn't the first time that, that Cain came to God with this offering, but with this filthy person. This is why God said, dude, why are you angry? This ain't the first time I told you that you're not living right. This isn't the first time that I told you that your life is full of sin. Why is your continence falling? 
Why is your spirit falling like you surprised that I'm telling you no? You know how filthy you are as you're coming to me with this offering. You know what you was doing Monday through Saturday before you came to church with your hands up high, worshiping me on Sunday. Why would you be surprised that I'm telling you now that I'm not cool with how you're living? He says it directly afterwards. If you were not living in sin, would I not accept your offering? Why are you tripping like you don't know how you living right now? Why are you acting like you don't understand why I'm not accepting you? If you change, I'll accept your offering. Oh, man. I wish I had a couple people that would just go there with me and, and, and understand. See, somebody in this audience right now who used to live a certain type of way, and then they came to God with an offering, and now that they live a different way, they know what it feels like to change up and see God change up. Your change up has a reciprocation of how God will change up. This is the issue, though. This is the issue, though. This is the issue, though. It's not the fact that Cain came forth over and over again with sin. The issue is Cain is just like Waffle House. Waffle House don't care. They care less that you don't like the way they could mop if they wanted to. Denny's know that their floor is sticky. They don't care that their floor is sticky because you still going to pay that $11 for that All-American Slam. You going to do whatever it takes to get that Waffle House. Waffle House has no plans of being Bob Evans. They know Chick-fil-A's workers are better than theirs. They know, I seen a comedian say that he went to Waffle House and they were scrambling his eggs with his hand. He said they grabbed his eggs up like this and threw it on the plate, got the cheese off and just grabbed the bacon and threw the bacon on the plate. He said the dude was sweating all in his grits. Waffle House know that that's how they workers be. The manager was there when the dude had his, his pants sagging. The manager didn't care because he knew I was still going to tip him once he got done giving me my to-go cup of orange juice. I was going to eat that Waffle House no matter what. I knew that the cook didn't wash his hands before he made my plate, but I wanted the hash browns that bad. Cain did not care what God thought about his sin. And he told him, me and you ain't in a relationship that you think we in. You asking me where my brother at? Am I my brother's keeper? I'm letting you know I don't think the way you think. I don't operate you the way you operate. I'm going to live the way I want to live. Yeah, I killed him. Yeah, I know his blood is calling out to you from the ground. What? You think because you don't open your mouth that God don't hear the thoughts in your head about how you going to continue in sin no matter what? You have become Waffle House to God. I refuse to take your food. Because some people like Candace. Some people are holy. <laughs> I am as Paul, filthy rags. I want them cheese grits. If you were a restaurant, would God eat at your establishment? Cain and Abel were both sinners. If Abel wasn't a sinner, he wouldn't have came with an offering. He was coming and asking for the same forgiveness. Why did God forgive him? Because he had a heart of change. If sin is lying at your door, it's gotten comfortable. He said, sin is lying at your door. Jesus said, I am the door. 
He said the thief and the robbers, they try to come through the walls. They try to go through the windows. They try to come through the back. But I'm the door. God said sin is at your door. It's become comfortable. It's laying down. It's trying to come in the righteous way because of the way that you're living. Which leads me to my last point. Are we walking with God? Sometimes you need to see change to believe in change. Again, I tell you that Adam and Eve never seen a conversation with God again. Last week I said that they knew God. They knew good, but they only heard of evil. They knew good, but they only heard of evil. After they sinned, they only knew evil and heard of good. Adam and Eve, I believe they were bad parents. I believe Cain didn't see change in Adam and Eve. He didn't see righteousness in his parents. He didn't have a household that maybe some of us had. So then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the the land of Nod on the east of Eden. When God got upset with Adam and Eve, the Bible says that he had to physically take them out of the garden and place them in another place. He told them, you got to go. But I believe that because of the experience that they had in the garden of Eden, they was like, no. How many times in the Bible do we see people just tell God, no, I'm not doing it. He said, let go of me when he was wrestling. Who's he wrestling with, Jacob? He said, let go of me. This is God speaking. Me and Caleb get to wrestling and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Caleb let go. Because he knows authority. Jacob said, no, God, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. I'm I'm bringing that up to to, kind of like tie in the fact that there was a way for Cain to tell God no. God said, this is your punishment. Now you must leave. And Cain said, I can't leave because the only people that love me are here. And if I leave, I will be out of your presence. And then God continued to go on. And then the next thing you know, Cain just left the presence of God. Are you walking with God or are you walking away from him? When you walk away from him, trust me, I'm telling you, it is your decision. If you feel like God is punishing you, if you feel like God is telling you something that feels uncomfortable, don't believe in yourself that you can't tell God, no. If you want me to leave, you're going to have to pick me up. You're going to have to take me out of here. If you want me to let you go, you're going to have to break my hip. Because there's no way I can let you go. There's no way I can be out of your presence. The Bible says Cain willfully walked away from the presence of the Lord. Come on, KT, you can't, you, can't, you can't knock us down for 25 minutes and not let us have any hope. The Bible says Enoch lived 65 years. He begot, I'm going to say Methuselah. After he, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years 
and begot sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The Bible didn't say God walked with Enoch. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God. When God walks with you, it means that his physical presence is there. When you walk with God, it means that he's in the inside. I'm going to say that one more time for me. If God is walking with you, that means he's next to you. And he's here more than likely because of something that you've done, that he's now here to, 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 to break some type, of, so, some type of hostility, to give some type of forgiveness. The Bible says Enoch, however, walked with God. And it says he walked with him for 365 years. I don't think that it is not just, I don't think, I, I do think that it is symbolic that it, it is 365 days in our year. And it says that Enoch walked 365 years. What the Bible is trying to tell us, no matter how old Enoch was, that he walked with God daily. Every single day he was with Enoch, no matter that Adam and Eve were his parents, grandparents, whatever the issue may be, no matter what his uncle, brother, sisters may have done, no matter what kind of community that he grew up in, Enoch had every reason to be Cain. He had every reason to walk away from God. He had every reason to not be the type of person that would live a life of righteousness that would walk away from sin but the bible says he walked with god so much that god took him with him that he never actually died my bible tells me that there are some people that will never actually die because even when you die in the physical you live forever in the spiritual god is trying to tell us through enoch if we would just walk with him daily there's no way that we could ever actually die how through taking responsibility through being accountable and taking ownership of what God has given us. That's all I got, Third Street. Bless up.